Let's do it. Welcome to the acclaimed podcast, The Deep Dive, featuring your esteemed hosts, Andy Monitor and Drew Dinzik, powered by Betspurts. Welcome to The Deep Dive. Andy, we get to close the book on the NFL draft from a betting standpoint today. I'm about done. I've about I've allocated about all the capital I'm prepared to lose on Thursday at this point. Uh, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, I've gotten deep down into the second round, third round, fourth round kind of guys, um, and I'm, I'm I'm pretty close to ready to put put a uh, uh, put a pin in this. Um, uh, also, really, yeah, good. There's a horse race this weekend. Like, yeah, I know. We it's just getting, the lead is getting buried because like the first round is fun, and yeah, there's some props we have in the second round, and you know it's interesting if you have a fan, you know, if you have a fan of a team, you like to see like, oh, I think that was a good move. We need some depth at linebacker in the second, third day. <laughs> but like outside of betting and maybe having some fandom, like the second and third days aren't that fun. Like they drag on. It seemed like it seems like one of those you know the cancer telethon that's on for like 30 hours a day the old one the, the eagles one that used to be on forever it's just like oh the draft is on all day long and it, i'm not watching any of it so yeah like yeah. i'm moving on to horse racing once we yep. come to the weekend the first saturday in may this yes. weekend which means we got the derby the oaks on friday uh and we got to get our prep on so it's time to close the book on the draft and to help us do that uh we welcome my colleague from nbc sports edge uh, none other than the great Thor Nystrom. Uh, Thor has not been a guest on the deep dive to this point in his career, and that is a that is a shame Trash. on me. That's a shame on me. We should have brought him on to pr- profile college football many seasons. He is a very experienced college football pro better. He knows these guys. He knows these players. He knows their strengths and weaknesses, forwards and backwards. And so to help us move past, well, who's the third pick going to be? Uh, you know, to help us kind of move the narrative along to, okay, well, what can we actually expect of some of these guys in terms of their ability to produce as pros? He joins us today. Welcome for, to, welcome for the first time uh, as a guest of the Deep Dive. Mr. Thor Nystrom. Thank you, Mr. Denzek. That, that was very nice. It's it's a pleasure to join you this evening. All right. Well, um, can you Should give the folks a little bit football? of a background? Yeah, like yeah, can you give us a little bit of yeah. a little of your background? You're you're a, I see all these college football helmets behind you. I assume that that's your first love, college football. That's right. Yeah, I, and the NFL draft, and you know, I, I don't know if I would say in conjunction, but it's always been those two things. You know, I, like I, you know, I'd like be scribbling out mock drafts like when I was like a little kid and stuff like that. Like, and yeah, <laughs> I remember Randy Moss's. Uh, dra- so, uh, by the way, you guys started with some fighting words at, at, at the open there. Like, I, I was a little bit off balance. You're like talking. Oh, you said I can swear. I, I asked you before here, but you guys were talking shit about the NFL draft. I'm, I'm like, I'm here, guys. Like, you. Know, <laughs> You're like, who would sit there for 30 hours and, and you know, with everything? I'm like, I feel I'm, seen. I'm right here. I'm literally right here. I would, I, I fucking watched the replays. Like, you know, yesterday when I was, you know, doing my shit, or like I had up the, you know, whatever it was that, that was on the NFL network, like, the, you know, the 2014, whatever, whatever. I get excited about it, you know, and then I, you know, I could like make fun of McShay and stuff like that, like as it's going on. And sure. it's just a good time. I, I love the draft. 
This is the part where the Vikings forgot to put their yeah. pick in. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Oh my God. There's some classic. Remember, remember the Laramie Tunsil one? Oh, La- La- yeah, Laramie Tunsil, that one will forever be a Mount Rushmore NFL draft moment. We, we talked about that just <clears throat> chatting on the side a bit with uh, good friend Dr. Eric Eager there the other day. We said oh, yeah. that, like, my boy. We said, we said uh, what another if, Minnesotan, by the way. Yeah, another Minnesotan. Right. We said we what if the what if the end or what if there was Twitter during the Randy Moss draft? Like all oh. those teams, you know, like yeah. because I mean, how much how much shit do you have to see every year with like, oh, the Bears could have drafted these quarterbacks? They do that every every year constantly, especially when the teams play each other. Like we didn't we just didn't get to experience that with like the Cowboys passing on them a couple, everybody basically passing on, you know, your Hall of Fame sure thing hit it was beautiful that was the most fun i ever had obviously until until late in january that wasn't not nearly as fun as a young man being a vikings fan but like that That's right. the fact that it hit like you know he's like oh we took a kid he, he has some character issues a bit of a problem but he's really good and then obviously super fun season but yeah like that that would have been like twitter fun all year long and it sucks that we didn't have that back then yeah, it's, you know, thinking back then, like he, Randy Moss, they considered him to have like, like horrible uh, character issues. Like it was, um, I forget, was it, it was Dick Vermeil or, or Jimmy Johnson or one of the famous coaches. There, there's like a, a, a famous quote from him where he, you know, is basically like, I wouldn't touch Randy Moss. I would prefer, and it was like some fifth round receiver. He's like, you know, I don't want guys like that on my team. Um, and, you know, like, but, you know, there are some people in the NFL that felt that way. You know, he, he'd gotten kicked off of two teams and, you know, th- there were circumstances to look into there, you know, as far as his thing went. But like, he was like a, you know, he was like the, the Kyle Pitts of receivers, like at that time, you know, like, like I watched him at Marshall, like, you know, again, when I was a kid, I, you're just giggling, you know, like it was, it was ridiculous. Unlike anything you'd ever seen before. And so, but to get back to my story, I remember everything about that day. I, I had to go to John Strauss's birthday party and I say had to, because it was on the day of the NFL draft. <laughs> I asked my parents if I could not go and, and they made me go. And so like uh, the, the, the other guys were playing like Mario Kart in another room and I stuck away uh to try to find another tv in the house you know it's like an unfamiliar house to me you know like i'm looking there's around be another tv with the draft on there's the china on the oh, wall amazing. and whatnot i'm like where's the tv where you know where, where's the where's the cable box um but anyway the, yeah that that was a fun day and you know with the randy moss thing it was like if he got past dallas that year I, dallas was sitting like eight nine ten eleven like somewhere in there but mm-hmm. if he got past them there was this long window of teams that there was no way they were going to take them they, they didn't need a receiver or whatever um he only there was only like two teams in between dallas and the vikings um that you know could even ostensibly consider taking him and so like when when he got past dallas i was like Yes, you know the people. Other people at John Strauss's birthday parties, like this kid's a freak. (laughs) (laughs) He was. He can you can you name three players that were drafted before him? For sure. So, so the. The who did, who did the def- well, the, okay, the, the two two couple quarterbacks and two was NFC before him, two NFC North teams picked right before. Was it Vonnie Holiday? Took, One uh, of them, Vonnie Holiday. Yeah, yes, yeah. and the defensive uh, end Green Bay the, Packers took Vonnie Holiday. Dallas, yep. the, the kid Dallas took, I believe, was a defensive end from UNC. Right, it was Greg Ellis. My God, Greg Jesus Ellis. Christ! You, you just named two defensive ends from from North from 1998's North Carolina Tar Heels. Dude. I was just gonna go with the first two. I was gonna go with the two quarterbacks in Woodson. 
Yeah. That 10 pick window, like yeah. in my childhood, you know, it was like, you know, the first time you see like a, a, a naked oh, body, right. you know, like a naked female, it, like that was like, it was like, oh my God, you know, like, <laughs> you know, for, for that hour, you know, of, of those times, like I was, I was riveted. Right. And, yeah. and he indeed fell to us, you know, and was every bit, you know, what advertised. Right. Yeah. Of course. Uh, did, did right you, before. Did you head to Mankato right that, before... that summer? I, I didn't get to Mankato that summer. Uh uh-uh. uh. I got I got his autograph on a pennant that year. Did you really? Like, he still like he he wandered up to the the crowd after we went to the scrimmage game down at the Blakesley, and he had like fifteen hats on, just ball caps, like stacked about <laughs> each other, and he's kind of signing them and throwing them and out then to giving people them away. and stuff. Yeah, yeah, and then I had a pennant that I my dad had bought because I, I was like seventh grade, and I didn't have any damn money. And he I got a I got a signature from him. He was wearing like eighteen still. He didn't even have his eighty four yet because it was still you know training camp. And Christ, he was skinny. It was weird. God, this it was, was like a great draft too. You had four Hall of Famers: Peyton Manning, Charles Woodson, yeah. Alan Fanica. And Randy Moss, and that was the the, the Ryan Lee Peyton Manning, Ryan Lee Peyton Manning year, the, the, the huge um, debate. By the way, that yeah. year, I as a kid, I I have to say this, I have to admit this, I I preferred Ryan Leaf. I was like, what are those idiot cults doing? You know, like you have Ryan Leaf there, you know, like of course. Well, the NFC North was shaped in a lot of ways by this draft. Uh, the Bears picked fifth. They took Curtis Enos, running back out That's of Penn, right. State. Yeah, Penn State. Yeah. Packers, yeah. we mentioned, took Vonnie Holiday, defensive end. Then the Lions, right before they took Randy Moss, had uh, right before the Minnesota took Randy Moss, picked Terry Fair, cornerback from Tennessee. A blast uh, from the past. Randy that Moss was back when you could take a Big Ten running back and feel really yeah. good about it, though. When you took like a, a running back that rate a four six two in the top five, everyone's like, Oh yeah, he's a workhorse. He's yeah. a bruiser. Yeah. That's wild, man. Wild. All right. Well, um, the first draft I really remember was the uh, and God again, one that would have absolutely broken Twitter was the uh the year that uh Mario Williams went over Reggie Bush, went over mm. Vince Young and yep. Debrick Shaw Ferguson and Matt Leinert went seventh. And oh man, those guys were all like super, two weeks super, before. Like, that was the first draft that I remember being like, This is appointment television. Like, you know, you're gonna sit down and watch this round one all day. And that was when it was on Saturday mornings, too. So um, but yeah, that was super fun. Um that was definitely yeah. a memorable one. And both of those guys did turn out like you wanted it to, so like in hindsight, it's, of know, course. it's weird, but yeah. like, yeah, that, that was a juiced up night for sure. Okay, so then help me if with if you have the historical chops, if you have the story, you know, the 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 um if you're the the expert of what am I stumped? NFL the, draft is this going to turn into stump the Schwab? No, no, no. no. Oh, this isn't true. Maybe we could. No, no, no. Just uh, say like the, the 1998 draft was obviously a 10 out of 10. Like four Hall of Famers in round one. Like Hall of Fame, you know, maybe the greatest quarterback aside from his playoff performances of all time. Uh, and, you know, the, you know, all time quarterback, wide receiver, blah, blah, blah. Um, if that was a 10 out of 10, if the Reggie Bush year was a 10 out of 10, like w- what is this year? Are we are we are we kind of we're above fifth we're above five out of ten right like well, there's there's a couple all pros in this class on top of five true blue starting quarterbacks it's an are, eight and a half so so you're talking class quality as opposed to Both class quality yeah. okay yeah 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 class quality. Um, yeah, I, I think it's an. I don't think it's like a, a great class overall. Um, but w- what I do think is you have it was what you were just mentioning, right? Like I, I think there's four stud quarterback prospects that that back Jones, uh, <laughs> and then uh, you know, and then you got you know Chase Sewell and Pitts. Those guys aren't just the best guys in you know in their you know in their their position group in this class. If you stretched it back, you know, X number of years for each of those, they still would be right. And with Pitts, you got to go back a long 
same way, uh, whether it's Tony Gonzalez or whether it's Vernon Davis, right? Oh to, you know, because you know, there's no one else that, that's analogous, you know, <laughs> between then and now. Um, wow. Yeah. And so like you have those, you know, unicorns or those, you know, like, you know, studs, 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 you know, outside the quarterbacks. Um, but where I think it's like lacking is like, you know, once you get beyond, um, you know, like the top 14 or so, um, let me say this. So, so there was a story uh, a day or two ago about how a bunch of teams were trying to trade down, you know, and like yeah. the, you know, they, they were talking about like, oh, you know, it's, it's a flooded market because literally everyone's trying to get down and whatever every team was trying to do this, this story was saying was get into this, um, it, you know, in the second round to early third round kind of area. Yeah. Um, and I totally agree with that. You know, this class, this class is very, very top heavy. You know, and then after that, once you get beyond those, you know, unicorny type guys or, or the stud quarterback guys, um, it, it's, you know, th there's it, it's a discrepancy thing. It becomes about taste, you know, sure. and, and, yeah. and this goes with the class itself, too, which is extremely unique. Uh, the most valuable piece of information that prospects give to the NFL during this job application process, you know, the, the pre-draft process is their final year of film this season. You know, in this this draft process, we have less. Uh, final season of, of film on, on the prospects than ever before. And it is not particularly close, you know, like in, in past ones where, where you'd be talking about a first round guy that, you know, played eight games that that's like, Oh, that's, that's not a lot, you know, it's, but, but this year there's a lot of guys that was zero. Remember back in the day when it used to be super vaunted to not play a season and then come back, you know, like uh, Maurice Claret or, or Mike oh, Williams. Yeah. Um, and now it's, it's a decent portion of the guys that are going to take into the first three rounds, you know, whether it's that or whether it was one game in, in the case of Trey Lance, uh, Rondale Moore played three, yeah. uh, all, all these guys you, on a lot of them, you have to go back to 2019 and then you have to decide is, is he as good as he was then without having played a season? Is he better? Uh, you know, because of, you know, Mike the last Williams time I saw him, he wasn't 20 years old. Yeah. So it, this year it presents this unique uh, puzzle that, you know, that, that we've never seen before. And I, I think, you know, w w what it is, is like when you have, you know, you've seen a guy, you know, four years starting or whatever, and you have, you have all the data on him. It, it's like when you're at the, the eye doctor and you can see, you know, clearly, and then they sw start switching the lenses and it gets more blurry, blurry, blurry. Like some of these prospects in this Trey Lance, only 16 starts in the FCS. He may end up being, I comp him to Steve McNair. Certainly that is his ceiling, or maybe even a little bit above that. Um, he also has this enormous risk profile, um, but no one knows exactly what he's going to turn out to be. We've only had 16 FCS games with him, right? So, like, we don't know how he's going to react under, you know, when the bullets are firing, all this sort of stuff. Like, you know, is he going to play up? Is he going to play down? You know, is his accuracy and his placement ever going to, you know, improve? He only did it for one year. You know, he, he was only a starter for one year there. And that season... 28 to, to zero TD and T ratio explosive through the air is like almost 12 yards a, a pass ran for, I believe over a thousand yards that year. And of course, any issue, you know, just stampeded to, to the national title, but we didn't see a lot after, you know, we only saw yeah, one yeah. game in the fall and there's a lot of cases like that in, in this class. I love, I love the word unicorny. If you threw in there <laughs> at the beginning of that, that's a great I think, term. <clears throat> I think you should probably look into patent law and getting that, uh, under your umbrella. Sure. But, and then also, you know, you talk about the drop-off. I think a big part of the drop-off is, you know, I, I guess, and we can get your opinion on the defensive side of the ball here too, but like certain horn, maybe if, if people are, you know, on the Parsons train, but otherwise like 
the edge rushers, the D linemen, the rest of the linebackers, the rest of the defensive backs. Like there's not like a, a, a secondary piece that's really, really popping. And I think teams are also kind of figuring out too, like, hey, guess what? It's not great to draft a cornerback super high because they don't make immediate impacts in the NFL. And I think defense in general is becoming, you know, it's it's a little de-incentivized to draft defense high just with the, the rule changes in the NFL. But, I mean, you, you got me thinking about a couple things about the uh, the defensive side. And I want to hear your take on that. But, yeah, the, the Lance thing too, it's just wild, like, how teams can talk themselves into this off I mean, a couple of pro days where the guy's out there, I mean, he's ripping the ball 65 yards in shorts. He looks great. But again, like he played, he, he should be playing spring ball. And I mean, my Jackrabbits are the the recipient of that. They probably would not be favored to win the title if uh, Lance was playing spring ball. But uh, here we are. And yeah, he didn't even look great in that one game. I mean, they put that game together for, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. They put that game together just to get him like a game in the fall to put, you know, get some people to take a look at him because they felt bad. And then he didn't even look that great in that game. It was kind of a, it wasn't even a very good game to watch. Because the only interception he had in his career. Yeah. He's throwing in that game. So, yeah, it, it's, it's, it makes me think about like if people were scared off by, oh man, we took, uh, and it's hard with, you know, Mitch because he's had such a maligned career and a lot of critics. But, you know, the Mitch thing, like, oh, he didn't have enough starts and maybe teams shouldn't be chasing after somebody that only had this many starts. And that was in a Power 5 conference. Like, I would be scared, scared about taking the guy. And, I mean, there's still talk about him at three. When when I heard Mitch out of your accent, I, I immediately thought Leidner. Like, it, it took me, like, several beats to oh, – he's, oh, he's not talking about Mitch Leidner. He Leidner's didn't get drafted, did Gopher's he? career. No, I thought you were talking about his Gopher's career. I was oh, like, God. oh, nice. We're going to get a soliloquy about Mitch Leidner's career. That is like, dumbass, he's not talking about Mitch Leidner. He's talking about Trubisky. We can, we can do a cold Gopher section. We got to talk we about – We could. We can talk, talk about, about Demery our- Croft. You know, we talk about all, all the guys. Oh my god! Oh, you know, no, but, to be fair, we were a, a running back factory for oh yeah. a while. That's true. Maroney, Lawrence baby. Maroney. Yeah. Yeah. What? The, but but more to that point, though, um, a guy like Lance who needs development, and uh, you know, f- me from an outsider standpoint, and maybe this is my blindness because I can't really evaluate college players especially well in terms of talent. I always kind of assume like talent's only really 50-50. Uh, you, know, you know, it's only really half of it. You got to go to a system that develops you and develops you well. And, you know, they, presumably Lance, let's assume, you know, I, I've written off fields three, which is tough to swallow because I feel like he's pretty clearly the second best quarterback in this class. So I'm, t- I'm taking the losses on that. But th- what's done is done. I got 60 cents on the dollar for all the bets I placed and, and I'm, I'm moving on. Um, but if Lance goes to uh, a system like Shanahan, is that a fit in your opinion? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Shanahan's going to put him in, in a lot of uh, favorable situations early. You know, I, I think, you know, assuming that that happens, you're going to see a lot of the play action, a lot of the bootlegs. Um, you're going to see some of the RPO, um, you know, and it's some of the stuff that you saw at NDSU. I mean, they, they ran a, a pro style system at NDSU. It's one of the reasons that, you know, Wentz had a, you know, a quick transition over um, and Easton stick, the guy in, be- in between the two, of course, he, he got drafted as well. So, you know, I, I think again, like putting him into, in, into advantageous situations, using his mobility and then you know, the only real you know nitpick I, I i got with the kid is like he's not super duper accurate but I, I i even hesitate to say that because the implication is that he is inaccurate which is not the case um and, and in conjunction with that he never puts the ball in danger he has this very unique sort of on-field um 
you know, uh, he, he ups your efficiency, to, you know, to this big degree. He ups your explosion to a big degree because it's mm-hmm. both running and passing, right? Like his average yards per rush was like over eight, right? And then, oh, you know, yeah. the you know, and then with zero interception, and it wasn't just zero interception during that season, you know, played 14, 15 games, PFF charted him with only four uh, turnover worthy throws. So like sometimes you'll see a guy with a low interception number, but then it's like, oh yeah, but you know, the, the, you know, there's 12 dropped interceptions or something it, that wasn't the case with him. And so he manages to be both efficient and explosive while never putting the ball in, in harm's way. I mean, just that itself. And then when you realize like the, his arm strength is probably just south of, of Trevor Lawrence for number two in this class. And he's just an athletic, he's an athletic freak, right? I mean, mm-hmm. he's, he's a really, really big kid and, and well-built before he, when he came out of Marshall, a part of the reason that um, it's, we won't get into his whole recruiting story, but it, it's actually really interesting. PJ Fleck basically just 86, his entire recruiting process because PJ Fleck didn't offer him. And I, I I've actually talked with, uh, with a rivals guy uh, about when they, uh, you know, toggled down like uh, Lance's uh, rating or whatever. And it was like, well, it was, and he was explaining it to me like, well, you know, PJ decided not to offer him and he was the guy that, you know, was, was closest to him. And so, you know, it wasn't just us that started to look at him differently. Other programs did too. Cause it's like what, you know, PJ that year gave a, a scholarship to a guy named Vic Veramontes who didn't even make fall camp. He, he transferred right after spring and he went to UNLV to be a linebacker. And then the other one is Zach and next dad. Um, you don't need to remember that day, but you're not going to hear it again. Uh, that's who they gave scholarships to at quarterback. They, they gave wow. out two and they refused to give one to Trey Lance. He visited the camp, wanted to go there, went to all their camps, um, but anyway, you know, a part of the reason was, well, th- there's another part, but I, I won't get into that. But the, 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 the other one, he was, he was very raw, of course, but he was also, you know, you know, just in terms of his frame was like a string bean. And he basically used his, uh, his redshirt season behind Easton stick, like just going, you know, beast mode in the, in the weight room, essentially. Oh, wow. Wow. Well, <clears throat> what classes, Marshall? Are they, are they three, a, they're pretty low. I think it's maybe even two way. That's the thing. Like it's a, uh, it's a decent sized town for that part of the state, but like that was never a big school. Mm-hmm. I wonder if that, I mean, but still like, it's not like, I mean, it's not like other quarterbacks from smaller schools hasn't thrived. That's weird. <laughs> I remember you tweeting about that too. And it's like, yeah. I mean, that sucked for him because it, it's really interesting part about the whole recruiting, you know, the recruiting trail. Like if one coach who is supposed to have offered you, you know, even just like a, you know, a token offering, like, yeah, we'll offer him because he's in state and whatever. And like, he doesn't like, it just raises red flags. And so I'm like, kind of F the guy. Exactly. You know, and you see the opposite thing. Like for instance, there's, you know, there's been numerous situations like this over the years, but like Minnesota will offer a kid, you know, in like his junior year. And then, you know, a couple of weeks later, he'll get an offer from like Notre Dame or Alabama Mm -hmm. or whatever. You immediately see his, his recruiting ranking go up. Cause then they're like, Oh, it's not just, you know, a local kid that the, the, you know, the Gophers think they can't get any better, but it's like now the big boys are coming in. So you see like the three stars jump to the fours and like stuff like that. And then the opposite happens when there's only one sort of, you know, FBS coach in the area. That, that was the situation for him, right? I mean, you know, if he went the other way, it was he was in the Dakotas, right? They they don't play, uh, you know, they don't play F- FBS football in the Dakotas. So, you know, and 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 Fleck went the other way, and, and the recruiting rank, you know, dropped him, you know, in kind, and he didn't get a look. Uh, wow, from, from any other school outside of Boise State was was the one FCS, you know, FBS offer that he got, but he stayed loyal to to NDSU. It sounded like from Shanahan's presser today, like whoever they pick third. He's starting. 
if the world exists. What, 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 what do you say? I'm yeah. If he was, it, he was basically weird. is like we're going up. We went up to three to get a star our starter for next year. That was more paraphrasing, wow. but that was basically what he said. Um, do you think Lance can make the adjustment in one year, or is he more of a project? I don't see any reason why you would throw him to the wolves, especially when, you know, one of the, 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 the sneaky scenarios where, where I, I would, if I wasn't concerned about, you know, like long-term, you know, uh, you know, the kid picking up bad habits essentially, but like uh, if they had their first round pick next year, you know, it, it would matter, right? Like yeah, of course. then they can go three and 13, whatever, four and 12. But the fact that they don't, um, if you take Trey Lance and you start him immediately, and I like I love Trey Lance, um, but he didn't play football last yes. year. Okay, the, the year before that he he had the awesome season, of course, but the season before that he was a red shirt, and then the season before that he was the three star recruit that no one was looking at, you know. And so he's been off two of the you know the last three years, and and then also the thing of he's the least experienced first round prospect that we've ever seen at the quarterback position um i i would i would start him on the bench if you know if, if it was me um, and, so. yeah try to build him up let's talk about some of these unicorns yeah. let's get into the unicorn of the draft you're number two on the big board after trevor lawrence number one which no one really disagrees with and i've made some bets on the jaguars to win the afc south because i Ooh. believe in trevor lawrence but uh number two on your big board is cal pitts and that comp that you gave to Tony Gonzalez is an eye opener. I have to say, um, what uh, about Pitts really sets him apart from the other tight end prospects we've seen in the last twenty years? <laughs> because hey, this quick, is yeah, yeah. Quick, quick follow up tag along with that. Like, was Trash just kind of shitty, and he just threw the ball up, and Pitts would just make <laughs> make a lot of plays. Yeah. Like, That's a fair question. Would, would yeah, Tony, would, Tony was would he, making plays in the ground. Yeah, would he Pitts been even better with air, a good like quarterback? Hot garbage. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I, yes. I, I, oh, okay. Fair. Yeah. I, okay. I, I do. Yeah. And okay. he certainly helped out uh, Kadarius Tony too, a guy that can't make catches when people are around him. You know, like uh, Kyle Pitts gives space to everyone. It's like you know, played with LeBron. Oh, wow. Well, I hadn't heard that. That's yeah. interesting. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, I mean, what is it about him? It's just literally, literally his ability to go up and get the ball and his size advantage on top of speed. It's it's just the physical gifts are too much to overcome. Yeah, and and this will speak also to to what, you know the the how hard it was for me to make that comp. Um, you know what he is as just as a receiver. If you took out the you know if you just made him a receiver, right? You just playing him on mm -hmm. the boundary. Um, it, it's it's like ninety five percent of Megatron, like in literally every single thing except wingspan. He, he got a bigger wingspan, and his hands now are, are wow really close. He didn't drop a ball last year. And he was in a lot of hard situations. They set him downfield a whole lot to catch <laughs> to catch those Kyle Trask ducks. <laughs> with, with two defenders, the people in the SEC, they, they ain't letting Kyle Pitts go one on one. Uh uh. Now he was winning a bunch of jump balls downfield, um, and sometimes he just ran by the dude, and it wasn't, it wasn't a jump ball at all. Um, so yeah, it, it's like, you know, again, it's, it, it's just South of, of, of Megatron, you know, what, what you're sure. getting there from the athletic profile, the, the frame is the exact same, except, you know, Kyle Pitts has a little bit longer arms and the downfield ball skills in particular is, is what terrifies the defense. And, and that's what starts to the, the spacing thing. Um, it, it, you just naturally have to play a player like that different. We talked a little bit about this, uh, with like Henry Ruggs, but that was sort of apocryphal, you know, it's just, you know, it, it, the speed thing, you know, then it tilts the defense, whatever, but like Kyle 
Kyle Pitts is a guy like that actually does that. Um, and he, he also is going to change the way like the defensive personnel. You you can get the defense to tip stuff depending on where Kyle Pitts is. You know, is 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 in the formation, right? Because then you know sometimes they're going to have to bring up the the safety who is their like you know their hybrid guy on the team or whatever to take the slot and. It, the defense can become a little bit more predictable having Kyle Pitts as well. So, so there's just, there's also things that flower off of it. Um, but you know, again, Megatron Light a, a, as as just a receiver, and then as a tight like as a as an inline blocker before last season, he sucked. Like he shouldn't have been. They shouldn't have put him in blocking situations at all. He was just a matador. But it was like between 2019 and 2020, like when the when the rest of the world was like freaking out about COVID, like uh, he was working his ass off. Um, he had two big weakness or you know i shouldn't say big weak you know they, they weren't things that were going to you know nullify an nfl future but um the, the two weak spots on, on his profile was uh too many concentration drops his hands are absolutely fabulous but the year before he had like five six balls that he just that he that shouldn't have flopped right like he was looking somewhere else or he let a ball eat him up when there's just absolutely no reason for that um so, so he drops these couple balls and then the other thing was the blocking well then he comes in this season and on all these you know throws that you know all these targets he got he didn't drop one catchable target um and then his blocking went from you know objectively shitty to slightly above average for an sec starting tight end which in this case is a seismic leap forward yeah right are there landing spots where he just won't be as effective though out of his, you know, his landing, I think his landing window is pretty small at this point. Like, is there just, if you were going to say as a fan of Mr. Pitts, is there somewhere you don't want to see him land in that three, four team window that you think he just wouldn't be utilized as well. And whether it's the offense, the offensive coordinator, the scheme, because like, I, I want to see him to continue to do that stuff. I want to see him do it with an NFL quarterback. Well, the the nightmare scenario would be he somehow falls to seven, and then Detroit Detroit would happily take him because then it's like oh, we got Megatron again. Oh my god! Yeah. Like you know that would be like the Vikings with Boss, even though they didn't completely know it at the moment. But the Lions would. It'd be like oh my god! You know Megatron is descended from the heavens. You know we. You know, we've, we've, you know, the, you know, we, we, we've been wandering the desert for so long, and all of a sudden the Bayana Cubs. Um, so, but, but of course, that would be the the worst case scenario for Kyle Pitts. Uh, and, yeah. and the teams in front of him, I, I think they're all good scenarios for him. You know, like Atlanta, he he would get to play with uh, Matt Ryan. Certainly, I was about to say Julio Jones, but there was that bizarre rumor this morning that Atlanta might be shopping Julio Jones, and and then I was like, well, if if that's the case, like what led what led to that, right? Like, why are they? Sh- shopping him now you know are they planning to take a receiver or uh you know a receiver? yeah they're in some kind of cap hell exactly um but yeah it, the the other situation are good for you know playing with matt ryan playing with uh, uh joe burrow that you know perhaps the best deep ball thrower in college football history if it's just a one-year uh sample size um he, he would dominate with him um and then uh the six oh with, with Tua, he'd be he'd be great with Tua too um, Tua needs a receiver that can that can do stuff in the intermediate area, and Pitts will open up you know everything else. Like I, I, I hate it when people rip on uh, Tua, who he shouldn't have been playing last year because you know because of the health. And then that receiver core, it's not only dog shit, but it's like dog shit in the way that doesn't work with Tua. Like Tua, yeah. t- you can't put the jump ballers with Tua. You know Miami's got a bunch of these shitty jump ballers, and it's like that's not his game. Like watch him at Alabama. It's he, he, you get him the zippy receivers. The thing he's best at is hitting guys on the hand when they're 
they're in full stride where it's got to be right there, you know, so then they can just keep, you know, going full bore. He was fabulous at that. You know, and, and I think that's when he started to, the Steve Young comps and stuff like that. Lane Kiffin, I believe, actually was the first guy that that, that made that comp when he, when he went out to scout him in, in Hawaii as, as a high schooler. But, uh, you know, the, the accuracy and then and then the scrambling, you know, being able to, to buy time. So he would help all those teams and, and the Lions would be the worst case scenario for everybody. For for almost any player being drafted yes. by the Lions. The worst <laughs> like Jeffrey Okuda wasn't even, you know, that good as a, a rookie. The season before he was just wiping people out, you know, it, it was like, it's like every guy that goes there, it's like, well, what the fuck's going on there? Yeah, well, at good. least they got they got the coaching figured out. So I want to do bring they? back Wayne Fonts. <laughs> do you they? Know, those, the, the, you know, like my yeah. childhood. You know, like the Herbert Board. You know, John, Johnny Morton. You know, uh, that's great. Teams back in the day, Scott Mitchell. <laughs> Mel Mel Gray was the most confusing football card I got when I was little. I remember getting that, and it said ST, and I had to just go to my dad and be like, "What is this position? Is this, this guy's like?" He's like, "I think it's just special teams because that's all he does." Yeah, I'm like, "Oh shit, I guess so." Um, did you want to go with the quarterback next? Because I, no, I want to talk I'll, about Chase. Let's get let's stick with our our, our wow. unicorns, man. Okay, uh, Jamar okay. Chase, wow. you, you have Jamar Chase comp to Roddy White. That feels like a little bit of a it's a little 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 bit of a low ceiling for Chase. From at least from all the glowing that I've heard. Roddy um, White was a magnificent wide receiver. I mean, if I the last time I remember seeing Jamar Chase, he was on the same field with Justin Jefferson, who is out of this world good, and Jamar Chase was better. So why exactly, uh, you know, are we thinking like all pro is his ceiling? And I guess why, um, you know, or do we get the sense that teams like Miami are so high on him, they're willing to trade back up into, you know, to the six range and give up all these future assets just for the sh- for the shot at a guy like Chase? For sure. Yeah, that, that's for sure. I mean, you know, whether it's Chase or being guaranteed one of those two other guys, you know, Sewell being the other one, um, you know, being at six, knowing how many quarterbacks were going to go, for sure, you know, th- that was a part of it. Um, and yeah, I mean, your point's well taken about about Chase at, at LSU. I don't think that uh, Roddy White's a, a derisive comp at all. He, it, I mean, he was a fabulous player, and if he played on better teams, it, you know, it would have been even more. What, what I see similar about those guys is it, it's the explosive uh, north south thing where they could take the top off whatever they want. Um, but, and then the ability to make plays down the field, you know, even in traffic, even in, in contested situations, um, you know, coming down with the ball and then, you know, making plays downfield. But then in the intermediate area, you're going to get some stuff too. Um, it chases a guy who's really hard to break down at, you know, after the, you know, after the catch and stuff like that. Um, but like, I, I just don't think that it's a, a, a derisive, comp, you know, comp. I, I try to be, um, I try not to go like, uh, you know, hyperbolic with them oh, not sure, too much. Of course, yeah, you know, like for instance, uh, the, the big one with uh, 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 Devonta Smith this this year is, is Marvin Harrison, and and I comped him to Keenan McCardell, which I think is you know, like if he has you know Keenan McCardell's career or, or a little bit above it, like it's a fabulous career, right? Or you know the Roddy White career. Um, sure. Yeah. So, it, but but I I see some I, I saw some similarities there with that jetpack where it's just boom, you know, and the, the acceleration uh, creating uh, you know more separation as he goes downfield because you know because of the acceleration and then he's going to bring the ball down, you know. There they're guys that have similar dimensions, um, and so yeah, I mean, when when the when the cornerback has to respect the fact that you can take him over the top all the mm-hmm. time, especially when he's like a you know well built you know guy guy with strength coming off the line like like Chase and and, and Roddy both were it opens up other stuff for you in, in in the intermediate area and jamar chase is is a, a lot better athlete than he was given 
credit like you know he started to get nitpicked like so, sort of like bateman did um you know it's like oh he's he's a good athlete but he's not a great athlete but no he he actually is a great athlete like his his res was 98 percentile size adjusted going back you know in his position group to 1987 so that's back to like al toon days cheapers right yeah we're talking we're talking way back so i have the chats kind of agreeing here they think chase five i think just as a fan of football that's what i want to see too like just the narrative oh, behind yeah, that same. like i i want to see the, the band get back together in cincinnati get him a receiver like it still sucks that your offensive line's not any good but maybe another year of continuity there it's just not it's not complete horse shit so that's i a, would like an, to see that they'll get another talented guy in the top of the second round i, I would yes, guess i, I think know. they'll definitely be drafting for some o line as they go further down the draft so okay so as far as the comp goes then roddy white 10 year pro one all one only one first team all pro uh that that I guess that is a, a seems reasonable. It's fair. It's Four career. Pro Bowls, one All Pro, good career. Um, and you, yeah, you know, Dinzik, as you know, it's like comps aren't like one size fit, oh, fits all for like every you know. Like <laughs> sometimes you have to go stylistic and get it in the ballpark of the career projection. You know, or, sure. or you know what I mean. Um, for sure, and, it's a median. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's just like a totem, right? You're trying to put in in, in someone's, course. and I don't want to make it unrealistic. His his ability to win downfield at that size as consistently as he did in 2019 that that's about as dominant a season as as you're going to see. Devonta Smith in in his 2019 those seasons are like if you go back like five, six, seven, eight years, those are those are beyond the top. Um, like what he did was ridiculous, and you know, like you mentioned before, he was playing outside of uh, Justin Jefferson, and, and he won the Jamar Chase won the Bolitnikov that year. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Okay. Okay. No, this is, I, I want to have the right perspective on these guys as we start to rate them and put them into, uh, you know, synthesize them into, uh, you know, power rating these NFL teams. And I think this is a good, you know, kind of good vetting of all of this. And I love your, your comps in general. So this is uh, fantastic. Um, I, I think people get weird with comps too. Like, oh, like you just did. And honestly, I did, I did too when he, when you said some of these names. It's like, and you got to remember, these are like 20 year old kids that we've never seen play against the big boys. Oh, sure. And, you know, we're, we're very excited that they're top five, top 10 picks. But again, not if you comped everybody to, you know, some Hall of Famer, they can't all be Hall of Famers. Just not how it works. So, yeah, there is a little, it's, it's, it's a good, I think it's a good way to temper expectations. And then when you take a step back, like Drew did, and be like, oh, fuck, that's not a bad career. Oh, it's good. <laughs> 10 years in the NFL yeah. is good. All, any all pro is good. Like that's a, you know, that, that's a, that's a, a very, uh, uh, reasonable expectation. And if the Dolphins gave up the assets they gave up to go from 12 to six to get a guy like that, then I can chill out a little bit because my gut is, you know, Hey, you guys blew it, uh, making that trade up the, I, I think, or I worry at least that they're going to be holding the bag on, uh, they didn't intend to give up all those assets to go up and get the best tackle in the draft. But they may be there if the Bengals take Chase at five. Um, I guess if you are, it's pretty clear in your mind at least. Top, you take the best player available. That's Sewell, future All Pro tackle. That's Sewell. You know, Smith is you know a little bit tier lower in terms of quality and expectation of what you can get out of him at the pro level. And plus, if you take Sewell at six, the Dolphins have another pick later in round one. They can get. They can come back and get, uh, you know, a, an Elijah Moore or uh, or a, 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 a Minnesota's Bateman. You know, I mean, they, they'll be able to get a productive receiver later in round one if they so choose. Um, I guess what is the you know kind of the bull case for for Penny Sewell being a, a top six pick? 
he's the best. So I've been doing this for five years now. He's the best offensive lineman that I've evaluated. Um, Quentin Nelson was also very, very good. Um, but just because the the position plays guard, yeah, exactly. I, I I give it to Sua. Uh, he's just dominant. Like he's like a um. I think of him like a, like he's like this giant industrial spring that you know back at every single time the ball is snapped he just comes forward with this just ludicrous force that he shoots out with you know he gets low and the power like r- right off the snap he he's got the or he's got the control at least um it, it that you know in those that split second there he's just so dominant he's so hard to, to deal with because you don't see human beings that are that big that that move forward that explosively you know just like that um fabulous play pass protection very very good um very few hiccups there at all you know over his you know we, we he was a limited uh player you know as well you got to give the caveat with a lot of guys you know uh, Pede was a you know opt out or whatever so you know we saw him for two years and he was i mean right from the start you know as, as a true freshman in the pac-12 he, he was if not the best tackle in in the pac-12 he was one of two um and then last season he or i'm sorry in 2019 his last season um he was the best offensive lineman in college football he, he actually broke the rec- the pff record for highest graded uh season of, of an offensive lineman wow. interestingly was beaten this year by brady christensen uh zach wilson's uh blindside protector but he's like 30 well yeah his kids are proud of him um but uh, but to go back to your point on stool in 2019 yeah. um you know that last last year's offensive tackle class was stacked it was stacked thomas five deep baby thomas good Worf's amazing where's the man uh, andrew Beckton, thomas the guy good. a man Wills, whose name i remember good i mean you know th- these guys those guys will be those guys will be, you know, um, cornerstones of good offensive line for a decade. But by um, the way, isn't it funny? You know, we make yeah. fun of Gettleman for fetishizing offensive line play. He both certainly sure. does. You know, it's almost kind sure. of creepy. But he had the first pick of those those four guys, and uh, he made. We'll see. Uh, but looks like he picked the fourth. The first one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's like Gettleman. You got to go first. This is your I, effing thing, man. Like, you know, for sure. What, what exactly works. do you I've, do around everyone here, I man. talked to last year? That new works was he, the best. He I don't up my mock. It. I had works. Yeah, I think. I, did, yeah. I think I did too. Uh, um, although I think I had Thomas twenty to one first OL, uh, so I wasn't super sad. Um, the I guess would Penny Sewell have been taken OT one last year? Oh, for sure. Easy. Wow. Easy. That, that wow. that's like Dave Gettleman's wet dream is being in the position to take Pete Sewell. Well, you know, it's it's almost too bad it didn't happen for him. Mm. Okay. Would you change the order of the receivers around? You just got me thinking about like people popping off the line. If we played by, I, I've had CFL on the brain. If they could run forward before the play. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. If you could just, have momentum at the snap. I, I just, I would like to see that. I miss CFL at this point, but yeah, um, I just, I'm thinking more about Bateman at this point. I really yeah. want to see him succeed. Well, but we don't want to, no, we don't want to change because part of Bateman's special sauce is, is yeah. no, no press corner can stop him off the line. You know, like the former basketball player, like his, his footwork is awesome off the line. So you can't press him, you know, I like he'll get by you real quick. And then his route running is just fabulous. And, and then the ball skills are 
might be the most fucking ridiculous ball skills in, in the class. Like if you put his top 10 uh, catches in college and then you like looked at like the, the past 10 receiver classes, he might le legitimately be number one. Like he had some catchers that like, it's like, wait, how the fuck did that just happen? Your Jackrabbits, by the way, he was, I believe his sickest catch when he was running down yeah. the sideline and he caught a ball with one hand. They just, you know, snatched it out of the air and kept running into the end zone. <laughs> like it was ridiculous. We almost lost, we almost lost that game. Yeah. We almost lose every time we play South Dakota uh, if, State. It is if, wild if the, somehow. Yeah. Uh, if, if anyway. Rashad Baby did play that game, you know. <laughs> Rashad Baby, yeah. We'll get to Rashad Baby. Uh, we'll find a home for Rashad Baby, I suppose. Um, again, go, back, guy, go back to Utah. Um, yeah, I, I just, I mean, just a quick question on him. We talked about the offensive lineman down there. Like, uh, it, it's consensus now. Four is like, QB4. Yeah, QB and, th and, th and th that's where my question was. The consent is consensus number two. The the mocks, the betting odds are very heavily favored for him going to the re the reason you haven't ranked where you haven't ranked. Uh, I want to get to and I want to hear from you. But also, I guess in my mind, it's almost like the Trey Lance thing, where it's not FCS, but it's certainly not the SEC. It, it wasn't the, you know, the level of company, like how much can you take or how much waiting do you do when you're looking at stuff based on like, well, here's his raw skill and here's what he did, but also he was playing, you know, a horseshit defense from Boise state or something. Yeah. And no no disrespect to Boise. Boise was good. With regards to Zach Wilson's, yeah, uh, yeah. About, yeah. Uh, he's got a, a really interesting one where the, the the people that disagree on him, it's like th there's a, like this one fault line, like in 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 his evaluation, and like you know, the, you're either on one side of it or the other, but it's the exact same. You're just parsing one thing differently, and that that basically sends the herds on their way with, with Zach Wilson. It's Zach Wilson was solid as a true freshman. Not not great. He wasn't uh, Trevor Lawrence, who who won a you know a national title and was the only you know ninety plus PFF you know true freshman quarterback ever. But Zach Wilson was more like eighty, like something like that. You know, his same season. You know, he he debuted. But as a, a sophomore, he really struggled. Um, BYU played a hard schedule that year, um, especially in September. They they had a gauntlet. Um, and then he, the other thing I'll say in, in his defense was, and you'll hear this a lot from his supporter that, you know, but it, that he was injured. He played two, you know, through two injuries that season. Um, but he, he didn't play, he played worse as a sophomore than, than he had as, as a, you know, as a true freshman. And then this year, uh, a lot of people, you know, around, not just in the football world, you know, around the world, of course, you know, COVID really screwed things up for a lot of people. Uh, it really helped Zach Wilson. Um, BYU had a much harder schedule coming into the 2020 before COVID wrecked it. You know, COVID wasn't good to the independents and the FBS because then all their schedule went away, you know, and then, the you know, the, the big conferences just wanted to play each other. Right. And so BYU could only pick up the pieces, you know, last second with this. This schedule is just a procession of fucking shit cans you know like th their sp plus uh, uh schedule strength at the end of the year was 89th B mm. byu's was and that's even a bit misleading as, as far as who zach wilson played like in the bowl game he played ucf which otherwise would have been something like the third best defense he played that season you know they were like 67th sp plus defense uh, you know fourth best defense out of, out of schedule whatever but in that game uh a couple guys that you guys might be familiar with uh richie grant and aaron aaron robinson you know the, the their two studs in the secondary they opted out uh they, they had new Numerous opt-outs on, 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 you know, for UCF that game. So Zach Wilson was basically played their backups. Uh, so, but so, so let me give you, um, I, I put this out on Twitter, uh, but I, a couple of years ago when, when Drew Locke came out, I, I, I was anti Drew Locke uh, from the jump, you know, he, back in his junior year, people were like, Oh, he's going to be what, what? And I was like, he's not a first round pick. And how I saw it with him was 
uh, you know, he obviously played in the, the SEC, uh, you know, at Missouri. They they had a couple of seasons where they had a really bad non-con. And then there was one year they caught the SEC schedule, right? So they got the underbelly. And it was like, you know, the Vanderbilt and a Tennessee with down. And like, you know, they, they didn't play a very good schedule. But what I noticed with Locke when, when I would watch him is whenever he was playing a good team, you know, whenever Missouri is playing a good when they're playing Alabama, Auburn, LSU, you know, t- you know, teams like that, he stunk. You know, it stunk. Like, you know, it it wasn't just that like it was like oh you know his teammates are being overwhelmed it was that he was actually playing down you know it was like mm-hmm. the human embodiment of like when you played NCAA football the 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 screen shaking the the controller shaking because it's like you know the home field advantage you're supposed to be freaked out or whatever that's sort of how I felt about Drew Locke he also played worse under pressure etc um, but but I put him under this criteria a couple of years ago where I wanted to parse his stats against you know good good opponents and bad opponents uh, to sort of illustrate and he, there was just this absurd discrepancy between sure. him playing you know well anyway I did the exact same thing with Zach Wilson I, I put him under the same uh, parameters and so I'll, I'll tell you guys what I what I found so Zach Wilson versus uh, power five power five non bowl teams so power five teams that did not make a bowl this season he played them and group of five teams that finished with under nine wins he went seventeen and two. With a seventy point six uh, completion percentage and a forty nine to six TDI and T ratio, Decent. when he played when he played Power Five bowl teams and group of five teams that finished with nine or more wins over over the same span, two and eight, sixty two point eight percent completions, and get this seven to nine TDI and T ratio. He threw more interceptions and touchdowns in, in, in those games. So, so his, his uh, yards per attempt dropped three, you know, b- between the two samples went for 10.3 to 7.3. His touchdown percentage went down 7.2% and went from 9.5 to 2.2. And then his interceptions jumped from 1.2 to 2.9. It, it, it wasn't quite as bad as Drew Locke. This, the you know, but it was pretty dang close. You know, it's like the closest that I've seen. You know, just screwing around with that. And by the way, some people will be like, "Oh, that that happens with everyone when, when you play better teams." You know, and it's like, no, it actually doesn't. You know, and so I had to do it with Pat Mahomes at Texas Tech to show people he had the exact yeah. same stats against the shitty teams that he did against the good ones. You know, when when you parsed it out by by the rate. In fact, he actually played a little bit better against the good ones. Ah. So like, you, you tend to find with great quarterbacks. They find a fucking way, you know? Yeah. So, so this is I, perfect for the Jets, then. Yeah. 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 It, it sounds it, like a guy that could beat the hell out of the Jets. Especially but, if, yeah. if Dardo turns into a stud under under Joe Brady, oh, who was the, the guy that leveled up uh, Burrow. Like, of there's course. a shot of that. Like, what if he, oh. like, you know, he turns his career around and, and turns into a stud <laughs> and Zach Wilson turns into, you know, Drew Locke combined with Mitch Trubisky? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it seems, but, you know, truthfully, the AFC East is the perfect home for him. He gets to play the Jets twice. Oh, wait a second. <laughs> yeah. No. At least the Bills are still there. Oh. oh. And Miami Miami doesn't have any high picks this year. Oh. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. It could be Bell rough. check defense like, twice I'm, here. Mm. I'm kind of cheering. I'm kind of cheering for the guy. But, I mean, you, you have – I'm glad you kind of backed up, like, what I just thought from my gut with zero empirical evidence on a very, you know, low-level theory. I like that you did the, the math. And all you, the legwork. You so. tend to find that the Zach Wilson supporters, when you bring up 2019, they'll be like, "Well, yeah, but he was hurt. He was playing. He's playing through injuries." And yeah. you know, also there's Joe Burrow. You know, there are quarterbacks that, that jump up like that. And then, the, but they'll never reference the, the strength of schedule thing. It's so funny, you know. Like it's just like, oh, you know, he he just became Joe Burrow. But it's like, what about the context of the season before when he was playing a you know a top 15 schedule and he was 
not good at all. You know, and what about that when we we parse the numbers where it's like the you know because in the September's is when he'd be playing like a Washington, a Utah, you know, different teams like that, and he just never did it. And, and this year they didn't face those teams, right? Yeah. And so it, it goes back to that thing I was talking about with the blurry thing at the <laughs> or whatever. Like he, he's blurry there, and the people that love him, they are they feel assured about it. Like they are seeing a clear picture. Well, Mormon um, Mahomes is a really catchy nickname, so I get it. <laughs> <laughs> I do like that a lot, though. <laughs> All right. That's really good info. I appreciate it. I appreciate you explaining that because I saw your tweet and I liked it. And uh, I was hopeful that we would get to that point here. Um, you still comped him to Baker Mayfield, though. Not true luck. Yeah, I did. You know, and, and this is going back to we, we could talk about comps for for hours. Like the I, I don't even think I, I mentioned like the, you know, finishing up with the, the Kyle Pitts one was like I, I was at first I was like, should I just comp him to Megatron? But then I was like, yeah, not <laughs> quite Megatron. He's also a different position. So some people could get confused. And then I was like, everyone else is comping him to Darren Waller. And it's like, well, OK, because he'd be the closest in the NFL right now. But the issue is, is Kyle Pitts is going to be better than that guy as a rookie. Uh, so, so how am I going to comp him to somebody? He's immediately better. Oh, than, dude, do not you know? draft Waller if you're in fantasy football this year. By the, the way, there was a very small amount of people that you know. Raiders offense is going to suck. Yeah, anyway, sorry. Good. Well, no, and, and just you know, finishing up on the Wilson thing, like um, initially during the you know the start of the thing, I comped him to Tony Romo because I, when I watched him play, it's like if everything comes together. What's that? <laughs> the golfer. <laughs> Tony Romo. Yeah, no, golfer, I, had, yeah. I had him in a golf yeah, okay, DFS yeah. lineup this weekend. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, like, you know, his his high points remind Corn me fairy. a lot of that. But but that's the bonanza comp, right? And yeah. then the yeah. the yeah. the bust comp is Drew Locke. He I will be you. Drew Locke if he so does, that's you, know, the, you know. That's the 84th and the 16th percentile of the distribution. Yeah, exactly. 50th percentile it, is Baker Mayfield. It's Baker can, Mayfield. It could, that's it could exactly work right. It could work That's out. exactly right. Um, okay, that's cool. That's cool. That's cool. Um, at this point, uh, I, I need to ask about two players that that what you think about them and their potential impacts who kind yeah. of are at the tail end of this range of really potentially meaningful contributors this year. Uh, and they just happen to be the two players that I now have the most uh, at stake that they Ooh. get picked early <laughs> by a lot. Can I tailor my comments uh, to... No, no, no. I, I, it, my, my rationale... Don't, don't tell me what side you're on. So my rationale, my rationale for these is is nothing to do with their potential comp. It's legitimately just where the way the draft is structured, yeah. where they're likely to go. I have yeah. big, big underexposure right now on Slater uh, and JC Horn. Um, let's talk about Slater first. Pretty yep. clear OT two by everyone who does a big board. Um, I love the comp to Teron Armstead. That seems completely reasonable to me. Guy is going to be able to make meaningful contributions this year to your team. Um, you know, a lot of smoke sending him to Carolina. Which again, if Joe Brady can turn Sam Darnold into something meaningful, he needs he needs some protection. Slater's a guy that you can start year one. Um, is uh, is are you? I guess. I guess, do you understand why some people like Daniel Jeremiah and others would have put Slater over Sewell as OT1? No, I, I don't. Yeah. Um, but I will say I, I, I love Slater. Like, I, I like him a lot. And, it, you know, it, it's not just like, you know, the, the movement, the athleticism, everything like that. He proved the concept that Elijah Vera Tucker did not. Elijah Vera Tucker is a guard. Uh, Rashawn Slater is going to be a tackle in the NFL. We, we saw him shut down a procession of NFL, uh, future NFL edge rushers in, in the Big Ten. The, the lower end of that was like the Kenny Willikisses. Um, shut them all down. And then he got to Chase Young. And, and he gave Chase Young more problems than anyone did in college. 
college. That's the difference between, you know, like, you know, we were talking about the quarterbacks, you know, that you, you could sort of spot that things are there with, uh, with, with tackles that, you know, that where the, the length is the issue, you know, uh, Slater's arms are 33 inches with, you know, his, his length is basically uh, NFL average for guard. Um, mm-hmm. And so, you know, you have concerns that some guys are just going to be too athletic for him, you know, or, or you know, the, the, the length plus the, plus the athleticism, it'll be something that, you know, he can't overcome or whatever. But, you know, he's shown it against the freakiest of the freaks with Chase Young. He, he proved the concept, whereas Elijah Vera Tucker, he had a great season uh, this season, his first uh, four or five regular season games, however many USC played. But then they they ran into Oregon in, in the Pac-12 title game at a guy named Kayvon Thibodeau, who's we're going to be talking about him next year. Uh, he's going to go very high. Uh, and he just absolutely destroyed Elijah Vera Tucker. Like, it put him in a fucking body bag. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, he can't play tackle. You know, like, it was like, that's it. Okay. I like that. <laughs> Newt nugget about Elijah Vera Tucker, too. That's cool. Um, okay. So, all right. Well, I feel a little bit better. Then. Yeah. And, I, and the, but, the horn thing was something we've all kind of agreed on between you. Well, me, the horn thing is, uh, I mean, I don't just, think there's, there's not consensus the in my opinion across the teams that need cornerbacks, which is everyone. Oh. Uh, and, and particularly those cluster of teams in 10, 11, 12, 13 range, you know, oh. I could see cornerbacks go in that range. Um, and I don't think there's really consensus across boards that Sertan is better than Horn. Horn is better than Sertan, so I think there's a reasonable chance that uh, there's a little bit of a, uh, you know, we've heard we've heard rumors like Arizona has been making moves to try to you know maneuver into place to take Horn. Uh, that that Sandy that uh, excuse me the L.A. Chargers would be a hard floor for Horn at 13. Um, I guess what's your read on these two CBs that are at the top of the board right now between Sertan and J.C. Horn? Yeah, so so my my only disagreement there is for me, Sertan's the best defender in the class. I, I do see a little bit of not huge, um, and it's mostly acknowledging uh, the risk factor because because Horn is not a, a complete you know guy yet. It was like I, I think the way I was describing it was like when you watch Patrick Sertan play, it's like you know watching like Eric Clapton, you know, unplugged like at a concert, you know, everyone's like chilled out because like, every he, he's always you know under control. He, he's like one of those you know, Malcolm Gladwell motherfuckers that did it 10,000 times because his dad, you know, obviously played the NFL, you know, sort of like Antoine Winfield was talking about with his dad, where he'd like watch film with him, like as a kid in, in bed, you know, like Antoine senior would, you know, after practice would have his, his laptop. Amazing. Open and, yeah. And I think a very similar thing happened with Sertan. And not only that, uh, Patrick Sertan senior now is one of the country's best high school coaches. He actually won the, <laughs> the high school coach of the year last year in Florida. Wow. Not only did his team have Sertan uh, a couple of years, his son, of course, but it also had Tyson Campbell uh, from this, oh, wow. like they, they put people, you know, in, in FBS programs, but you know, he had that. And then he got to, you know, N- Nick Saban, and, you know, the grand bastard, his, you know, coterie of overqualified, you know, analysts and whatever position Alabama can put these guys in so they can pay him a bunch of money, but they, they don't count against their on field shit. Like it's, it's fucking crazy. We got to get a, a salary cap in college football. It's, it's <laughs> Alabama's got the cheat code on lock because they got as much money as they want. So you know, tire all these former ex coaches to be analysts. Uh, but Smart. but anyway, like that was the PhD program that Patrick Sertan studied in after he had the best you know pre college education that you could possibly have for for a guy like that. And you see it when he plays. You know it, everything is very quiet and very deliberate. And the receiver does what he fucking wants him to do right from the start, right off you know the line. He's funneling you to, to the sideline. He's taking away options from you. Right there's less space there. You're going to start to telegraph in your next couple steps. You know where you're going to be going, and then he knows where you're going. Like he'll run the route for you 
you know, like, I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty wild. Like his special sauce of getting on someone immediately with his length um, and then the footwork, you know, in between there, but funneling them uh, to the sideline and just taking away his options from there. It's like, he knows what, what's going to happen next. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. He, he's, he's a really fabulous player. Um, whereas JC Horn, it's like, uh, uh, the example I use is like when I was at uh, high school, I, I, I don't go to many concerts. I actually don't like concerts. I, I, I just, I'd rather listen on a CD or whatever. But anyway, I, I went to this Aerosmith concert because a friend had a ticket and the, the act before him, do you guys remember Andrew WK? Oh yeah. Where it was yeah, like, we oh, fun. The, exactly. Where it was like the head music. Oh, yeah. was like, ah, you know, like we were, I think it was a weird opener. <laughs> but it was like you know that energy of like everyone's like ah you know like let's sure. fit. that's sort of the way that uh jc horn plays a okay. quarterback he's like plugged into a socket you know he's like you know he's a little yapper out there and he's very oh, physical he's he's gonna have to learn to the nfl to be less physical after five yards uh because he he does not allow a lot of separation but even you know he's very close and he a little bit of bump and a little bit of grabby uh those are things you're gonna have to you know watch out for but the athletic profile obviously is is ridiculous in the ball skills, right? Like, you know, you, yeah. you're starting to see that, you know, it, it, and, you, and what you saw with him was he started for three years as well. Obviously, it was more raw coming in than uh, Sertan was. Uh, you saw a significant level up with him, you know, each season. You know, he had further to come, you know, going forward, whereas Sertan was, you know, immediately was was good. Um, and the last couple of seasons, he had by far the most uh, snaps of, of, of any, you know, cornerback in the nation, uh, def defensive snaps. And then in terms of press coverage uh, snaps, he had like something like 300, 400 more snaps the, the, the next highest guy over the last couple of years he is he's experiencing whatever the nfl needs him to do so just, so just in response to like the the certain against horn thing it's it's a i see it as a very similar ceilings for both those guys but i i just see less risk with certain i like it i get it yeah no and, and that's the thing too that we've run into with like all throughout this process we've listened to some pretty smart people do some pretty good breakdowns about you know why player a is better than player b and you've got me, you know, I got the willies now about Horn. But I guess a lot of the, you know, a lot of the exposure we have on Horn is under 13 and a half, which yeah, was. Because I mean, I've heard the Chargers, he will not get by the Chargers. Yeah, so I mean, there's, there's a, I mean, even before we heard that, we liked that one quite a bit. It moved out. I mean, I bet that at like minus 130, you know, two weeks ago and, and it's continued to move out. But, and that's the thing, like we run into this every year where it's like, yeah, I mean, you're probably right. We can go down the road. We can clip this up, play it three years from now when, when Sertan is a, a better player in the NFL and somebody could still take horn first because these NFL teams do stupid shit all the time. Yeah. I mean, there's, I mean, it's, it's a fine line. It's a, it's a matter of preference. Like, yeah, like, like Thor was saying off the top, it's a like a lot of the, if you know, beyond the guys who are bona fide, these are going to be all pros. A lot of it comes down to preference. And yeah. Dan Quinn has a certain type of cornerback he wants to coach in Dallas. He's going to take Sertan or he's going to take Horn. Similarly, uh, you know, Philly is absolutely in the cornerback market at 12. And like I said, the Chargers at 13 as well. Um, also, yeah. All, all, yeah. I was just gonna say you guys are locked in, you know, as far as the under 13 and a half if uh Atlanta trades with Denver. Like if they announce that during the thing, it, it, it's over. Uh, because yeah. Atlanta, I believe, would do that to take Sertan. Uh, but they piss off Dallas and Dallas is gonna take Horn right after that. Got it. Yeah, I mean that's like a good I, that's 13 and a half is a good number because you you get quite a few bites at the apple, but that that's one where it would just be done, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I like I like that I like that breakdown. Um, last question for you, and then we'll wrap up. This has been a ton of fun. Um, we haven't talked about Jalen Waddle really. We have only kind of talked about Devonte Smith a little. Um, do you have 
I guess situation again, opportunity is going to dictate a ton. Um, but of these two guys, better potential pro if you had to make a bet on it today? Devonta. Yeah. Yeah, just like you know, he doesn't have the you know that high octane speed, you know, and so you you sort of get seduced by that. And you know, I do think the Waddle is better than Rugs, you know, like he you know better route running and stuff like that. Um, but the he's you know he he's a guy that has a, a few special sauce things. He's a very tough kid and all this stuff, and, and you know, going to be an explosive player. But Devonta is he's that next tier above where. Um, you know, he was a guy that I, you know, I mentioned I, I, I struggled comping him because it, it almost, you know, became like, well, is it Marvin Harrison or is it going to be Keaton McCardell? You don't see many guys that play that way. And by, by, by the way, you know, to that point, we always talk about, you know, when you hear the Devonta thing, when, when you hear them talk about his body, it's always as a negative thing, right? Like, you know, mm-hmm. too slight and you know, there's not a lot of receivers that dimensions. There are some ways in, in some scenarios where it, it really helps him. Um, he is deceivingly long. Like if, if you look at him just standing on the sidelines, he, his hands like go past his kneecap. <laughs> it does yeah. look weird. He looks weird. Yeah. <laughs> He does look, yes. Uh, you know, it, it, it's just really weird yeah. with the, these just crazy long arms, but he's super duper skinny. You know, yeah, so, so like, he doesn't he's look built like, like a monster. Much. Yeah. Yeah. But like, you know, in it, where this comes, you know, where this starts to manifest is like in, uh, you know, situation downfield or in contested situations where you do not think that he has, you know, the, the catch radius that he does. But he also, if if he gets even, you know, a, a finger on it. He, Devonta Smith's coming down with that ball. It's, it's like a his catch radius is a, like a Venus flytrap. You know, like I mean, both Tua and and, and Mac Jones found that out. Um, and so, like all the different things he he does, for, he's such a smart player as well. You know, competing really hard, stuff like that. Ball skills are great. I, you guys know all about the route running and 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 you know all, all that sort of stuff. So, um, just as far as you know, a guy that I know is going to go to mini Pro Bowls, mm-hmm. I, you know, I I go with him. But yeah, Waddle, you know, it's it's a different proposition. And by the way, you know, you're talking about like fits and stuff like that. Uh, it seems like that the best odds right now is that Waddle will get to the Eagles, you know, because like if, you know, for instance, uh, Carolina or whatever it takes, Devonta. But th- that's going to be a really weird fit. Uh, n- not in that, you know, he gets to beat up with Tua again and, and you know, d- and do the, the crosser thing and stuff like that, um, but that it completely nullifies your, your first round pick from the year before. And, oh, I, you know, yeah. I, I don't know if Philly's talking about that yet, but you talk about a superfluous uh, skill set. Uh, you know, Ragor is just a, you know, if you want to be derisive about it, a poor man's waddle. And so yeah. at that point, you might as well trade him for whatever you can get for him. Right. I mean, like, so that's what's interesting about it. I think uh, uh, Devonta would be a much better fit for Philadelphia. And, you know, you do see in some mocks, you know, like, for instance, uh, Detroit, you know, we're going to take Waddle, you know, in, in some of these different mocks. So I, I think that's what the Eagles are hoping that that Waddle goes a- ahead of them. And Detroit it w- it would be in play to make a, a decision like that. Yeah, sure. it, it, it sounds like from everything you've described, like Waddle's the ideal wide receiver for Detroit to take. That was going <laughs> yeah, to be a joke question. Like, same question, except Smith is drafted by Philly. Because you know they just ruin receivers somehow. And yeah, while we were yeah. while I was thinking about him too, I found my I found my Smith comp. That just that guy. <laughs> I just, he reminds me of that guy with his arms just going wild because they are just freakishly long. Especially when when he's not in action, when he's on the sideline, he's just standing there. Yeah, you can like, see it. It's, it's like his, his like, knuckles are like dragging on the ground. Guys, you know, it's, yeah. yeah. 
and and again, it sneaks up on people, right? And and every inch of it matters because again, he catches everything that he gets a hand on, everything. Mm-hmm. So you know, having that deceiving length, it, it's something that you know, like in the play itself, it, it sneaks up on on the corner, just like his his you know, like the, the athletic package. He's a good athlete, you know, not a bad athlete. Um, but like you know, the 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 smoothness with his routes, the precision of the footwork, the way he sets people up. I I wish that I had film, all twenty two film of the last three years at Alabama practice, you had the PhD on the one side and in Sertan every day going up against one of the you know great craftsmen that, that we've seen in college football the last 10 years. There's a reason that he gets the, the Marvin Harrison thing. There wasn't anyone smoother than that motherfucker. And it's the same with Devonta Smith. I love it. I love it. That's, and that, that, it just reminds me of that, that game he played you know, when, when he came back and like Twitter was just breaking, like it couldn't make up his mind between, you know, the, the entire feed was like, Oh my God, get him out of there. He shouldn't be playing. And then like the next three messages, like, Holy shit. Did you see that play? He like, cause he was, he was like, not, he yeah. was not healthy. He yeah. was not even close to healthy and he was still making a mockery of some of those defenders. He was Absolutely. just always open. It was, yes. it was yes. eye opening. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, 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 it's, it's the footwork in conjunction with him being, he's always two steps ahead of you. Right. So also, it's, it's, Ohio it's like State's chess game that's going trashed, up. Yeah. 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 You, you, don't, you don't got a chance against that hot garb, hot garb. Um, okay. Wait, one final, one final question sure. to send you out here. If there's a guy outside the top 15 who has eye popping, surprising year one contribution, uh, you know, it doesn't even have to be a first rounder guy who goes in the second round, you know, just a guy that stands out to you as like, I, for whatever reason, I'm way higher on this guy than the, than the pros. And he is going to be a surprisingly important piece of some championship contending team. Who's your guy? Bateman would have been who I tossed at a receiver, but I think I have a better answer for running back. And we already touched on Bateman, uh, Javante Williams. I, mm. I, I've been number one, you know, or he's been my RB one since the the jump, you know, since, since my very first, uh, you know, whatever. And that was back when for everyone, it was like Najee and ETN and then, you know, drop and then, and then Javante. Um, and now you've started to see things go the other way, you know, like Javante is, you would say rising, but I, I always found that a, a weird uh, sort of, you know, descriptor for something that's just like people finally got to watch his, his tape or whatever like i was just watching it live that like th- that's the only reason i get it early on people because for my job i have to watch all the college football games I- i'd be doing it anyway even if they didn't play <laughs> don't tell them that <laughs> especially you Denzik. I-, I know that you talked to my boss don't you tell him uh but you, you know so, so you know tj hawkins you know it was you know some of these guys you just see you know and and, and stuff like that so yeah it's uh, you know I- i'm lucky to be in the position you know that, that i'm in as far as that stuff goes cool 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 well, very good. I'll look out for uh, for where he gets slotted. That's exciting to. Oh yeah, and, and, and just you know, to, to, w- w- what I was going to say was Daniel Jeremiah reported. He, I don't know if you guys saw this, but this is like three yeah. weeks ago. You know that it was like you know he don't be surprised if if, if he's the first guy. And, and one other thing I was going to mention is um, take it for what it's worth. Uh, you know, I, I know a lot of people gamble. You know, gamblers are, are listening to the show. Uh, you got everyone knows about the Najee Harris to Pittsburgh thing. You know, and that's. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I heard an interesting thing this week. I, I was doing the Pat Mayo uh, live mock show with a guy mm-hmm. named Ray Garvin, if, if you're familiar with him. And Ray played uh, college football, and he's got some contacts in in, in the football world. And uh, he told me that, uh, or he told everyone, I suppose, because it was big broadcast. But he said that uh, he had a little birdie in the the Buccaneers organization that uh, told him that if if Javante Williams is there when the Bucks are on the on the clock, they will take him. Um, 
I, I think Javante Williams is a first round back. He's the only, you know, round one grade that I give out on, uh, on a running back. And he would make mm-hmm. a ton of sense for that team. Also makes a ton of sense for Buffalo. Buffalo took two running backs that were similar to him, but they were just further back on the evolutionary continuum. Devin Singletary, who they took two years ago, he, that season he led uh, the FBS in broken tackles. The next season they took Zach Moss, who did that season. Javante Williams this past season shattered all, all the PFF records for most uh, broken tackles per attempt. Um, and then, of course, you know, just in the, the limited games he played, like, you know, in terms of last season, he was so far, you know, ab- above and away the, the leader in that thing. So we know that the Buffalo brass likes backs like that. And again, he is the furthest line of the polarity they, they've been, you know, dealing with. It's like multiplicity, you know, when everyone is like one less or whatever. They've been dealing with the, the ones a little bit down the line. They can just go right to the source with is was it michael keaton it was, yeah that was michael multiplicity yes <laughs> they go yeah. right to the original michael keaton draw. with javante williams that's javante my new comfort javante is, is michael keaton michael <laughs> <laughs> i like it man all right well that was fantastic yeah, great information yeah. outstanding conversation appreciate all of this nuggets what, I, what pick, I, what honestly, pick is tampa 32 32 i'm honestly i when i put when i put my numbers together this season i'm going to use your comps uh to come up with uh kind of starting starting grades for you know what i'm expecting these guys contribute you know from a contribution standpoint this year i think i'm sure we'll talk about these guys a lot Tinzik. yeah 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 very very cool yep good to be with you man absolutely thanks for joining this was fun it was I think Perfect so. I, I liked it, especially it was awesome. Yeah, Christ, it looks like Tampa. Tampa's just going to win another one with Mister Mom. Uh, you know, done. Tom Brady, man. Tom Brady back again. So, yeah. all right. Well, we're done. We're calling it. This is tap the gavel. We're done with the draft. Like, yep. this is it. We'll do yep. some horse racing. No, the draft is starting. Draft week just started. Don't, our content. If, if, really, if someone's really. listening, don't listen to those guys. The fun <laughs> is only just beginning. Oh, great yeah. segues. If you are not, if you're not done. With draft content, where can people find where your stuff? Can people Thor? find your draft content, Thor? <laughs> that was smooth as shit. I, I don't know why NBC isn't giving me that, you know, the handlers to teach me that kind of shit. No one's taught me professional transitions like that, Tinzik. I bet, you know, I've been waiting for 10 years. Uh, but anyway, uh, yeah. So, okay. NBC Sports Edge, uh, you know, uh, and uh, yeah, you can go there. NFL draft section. I had my, uh, you know, the 500, which was referenced a couple times here, dropped it a couple days ago. And then uh, I think it was yesterday, I dropped my uh, position rankings, which, um, are, are specifically relevant for me for when it gets into the UDFAs um, mm-hmm. because I, I go like 500s, you know, whatever. But like I, I went to like 650 with the comps, you know, like, you know. And so anyway, like when 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 those guys are coming, most people obviously don't have a frame of reference for the guys that are being signed or how good they are. You know, every single year I, I, I rank the UDFA uh, classes because uh, I you get value out of that. You know, last year when, you know, after the Jacksonville one, I, you know, I say uh, 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 James Robinson is this year's Philip Lindsay. You can spot some of these things, you know, the guys that the father, whatever. But anyway, I consider that the second draft and, and in my position rankings, you know, I go like 650 deep. So uh, if you don't check it out in advance of, of, of this Saturday night, uh, when, when the draft ends and it goes into the UDFA process, remember to, to check, you know, check it out then because you'll be able to see who your team signed after the draft. I love it, man. Well, we appreciate you. I can't wait to read it. Uh, check out Thor's stuff at Thor KU on Twitter. And uh, yeah, Good NBC talks. Sports Edge. This is uh, fantastic. Good My work. Man. Enjoy the draft. I know it's you know the weekend you probably look forward to most of the year. Cherish this you know, weekend. It doesn't have college football actually <laughs> being played. There's um, college football this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah. Playoffs. Good point. 
Yeah. Um, all right. Well, best of luck. And, uh, you know, thanks again for all your time and, and really enjoy your content. So um, take care. And we'll, we'll, yeah, we'll be back to, to talk to you about college football once college football season rolls around. Goddamn you, can, you can bet as the safest bet you can make on the whole pod. I can guarantee you that one. Can't wait. Um, all right. Take care. We should get him a mini helmet. Yeah, I know. Well, I think I think I have a list of the ones he doesn't have still from when I watched. I bet that he doesn't movie. have. I bet he doesn't have UTEP. He's got a lot of the cool ones, like a like a bunch of the really cool ones that I wanted to get. He already had them, so we'll. Uh, I'll get the list out though. That's uh. I'm not even gonna say this on the air. <laughs>